stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. I think if you were to ask people, voters, politicians, whoever, what's the biggest issue affecting education in Alberta? The answer would probably be class sizes. And I think if you'd asked the question 15 years ago, the answer would be the same. I mean, it's a concern, and it's a logical one. You don't want crowded classrooms. You, you need to have a, a reasonable proportion of, of teachers to, to students. And if you're not putting enough money into education, there's the possibility that you're going to get bigger and bigger class sizes. Kids are going to suffer, and obviously that's counterproductive, given all the money we're spending to, to ensure that kids receive a good education here in this province. But addressing the question of class sizes is not a simple one. I mean, part of the challenge for Alberta has been the fact that, that we've been such a rapidly growing province. So you got more people coming here. you got more families, younger families, uh, and that means more kids. So it's not simply a question of a, a school hiring some more teachers because, as we've seen with a lot of new schools in Alberta, they are filling up really quickly. It's pretty common in some parts of Alberta to see brand new schools have portables attached almost right from the get-go, but within months or a couple of years even. So there's an infrastructure problem as well. We need more schools. And are we struggling to keep up? Some really interesting investigative work from the Edmonton Journal and Post Media today, looking at what's been done over Alberta to try to address the question of class sizes and how surprisingly little we have to show for it. Uh, Janet French is a reporter with the Edmonton Journal, edmontonjournal.com, and joins us on the line here this afternoon. Janet, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, as I say, this is some really interesting work, and it's, it's also interesting because answering the question of, of how much progress we made, it, it's not a, a straightforward question, or at least the answer is not easily available, is it? No. Um, it's interesting because the Alberta Teachers Association has been tracking this quite thoroughly over the years. I mean, obviously, they have a vested interest. Um, and they uh, show that the, the best class size or pupil-to-teacher ratios were achieved after about three years of investment from the former government by about 2006, 2007. And then after that, um, there stopped being much accountability for how school districts were supposed to spend money that was allotted to reduce class sizes. And after that, if you look at the class size averages, they just creep up and up and up over the years. So in terms of pinpointing how much money we've spent on this and, and what would count as money that's devoted right. to this, uh, how do you reach uh, the $2.7 billion figure? Well, actually, that comes from Alberta's Auditor General. So um, okay. just by coincidence, I had no idea who was looking into this. But after I had filed some of the FOIs to different school districts, Sorry, if that's, I mean, a freedom of information right. request to ask for class size data. Um, the Auditor General came back with a report and said, hey, you invest, hey, government, you invest two, three hundred million dollars a year in something called the class size initiative. And it shows up as a separate line item in the budget, but nobody has any idea where it goes. Um, and so he sort of smacked the rest of Alberta education and the government saying, like, you don't know where this money, how school districts are spending this money. And you don't know if it's reducing class sizes. There's no accountability. Right. So who's supposed to be responsible for that? And that, that would be Alberta Education, wouldn't it? I think, I think both. Um, so right now, the school districts used to have to tell Alberta Education how they spent their allotment of the class size initiative money. 
and then that stopped in 2008. Um, and I guess the Alberta government never asked after that how they were supposed to be spending it. So I think both parties probably. Uh, that's that's something. The auditor mainly just looks doesn't have jurisdiction to look at school districts. So he he was pointing the finger at Alberta education. And you know David Egan, who's the Alberta's education minister, says that he is looking at uh, more accountability mechanisms. He won't explain yet what those are, but he's supposed to have some information sent back to the auditor by the end of June. All right, so is it to say then that our problem has, has gotten worse or just simply that we haven't met our targets? That depends who you ask, yeah. and it's probably very class-specific. I mean, some, one of the things that I'm finding as I talk to different people in different schools is it seems like any kind of like demographic shift can really throw a class. So, for example, there's a phys ed class at an Edmonton Catholic High School that has 41 girls in it. But traditionally, they've always divided their gym classes and their health classes by gender. So um, they had one year where they just had a huge number of girls and a small number of boys, and you can't really control that. (laughs) And so they decided they would rather keep those genders separate rather than combine them into co-ed gym and health classes. Mm -hmm. So it can be be something as just an anomaly like that that really throws it off. Um, And, you know... But there's also, you know, classes that are kept purposefully much smaller, like um, current technology classes, like trades classes. You, there's a safety risk, right? You can't have, you know, 35 kids using a table saw at the same time. It's just not a good idea. So on the other end, you know, there are certain types of classes that are very um, purposefully tiny. And Calgary Board of Education actually is the only one, the only board I could find that has a policy to keep uh, kindergarten and grade one classes below a certain number. I think it's 30. Um, and so they juggle their resources so that, you know, those early, early classes there might be smaller than in other school districts. Part of this is, and you talk about it, is it's an infrastructure issue. And it, it would have been difficult for any government uh, to keep up with, with the, the changing demographics. I mean, you talk about the baby boom we saw in this province, yeah. you know, about 10 years ago. And now you've got these kids who have been, you know, in school for four or five years now that we just we couldn't keep up with it. And I have done some reporting on this as well on the infrastructure, and there's a, the auditor also has a report on that. Uh, where to begin? Um, uh, they have actually put a lot of money, like both the previous government and then this government following through with the projects that were already underway. They have put a lot of effort into constructing schools. That is now slowing down a little bit, though, because, you know, in the most recent budget we saw them say, well, we were investing heavily in infrastructure for job creation, but now we're going to back off that a little bit because the economy is recovering. So I don't think we'll see new schools opening quite at the pace that we had seen over the last three or four years. Like, for example, in Edmonton this year, we had 16 schools open in fall of 2017, just within the city limits, uh-huh. public, public and Catholic. So, I mean, a pretty big number of new spaces, but even still in some areas that are not getting schools or in certain demographics, like I'm thinking about red deer middle years, for example, there are an enormous number of junior high age students in red deer and they really need new middle schools and they're having to shift their elementary school grades around. So now some elementary schools go up to grade eight, so they have somewhere to put these, these preteens and these teenagers. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and you need to know within these cities where this is happening. I mean, Calgary, obviously, we have some older neighborhoods where they've, they've closed down old schools. I think it's mm-hmm. been the same in Edmonton, whereas, yeah. you know, you get growth in certain parts of the city, so you need to figure out where these schools go. Yes. Um, and that's a challenge. <laughs> uh, certainly. Um, but, I mean, that's a whole other 
process where school districts submit their wish list every year. Like, here's, here's the 25 schools we would like to build. In, in the city's cases, the city board's cases, it really is a list of about 25 to 30 schools every year. They're like, here's what we need to build in the next three years. And then the government will say, okay, you can have the money to build one and two. But, I mean, even if a school district, you know, won the lottery tomorrow and, you know, or fundraise to build their own school, they can't build a school or even add a portable classroom without the government's permission. It's a tightly controlled process centrally. So, you know, there's, I, they're stuck a little bit between what taxpayers want and demand, and, you know, grow, in, especially in high-growth areas, and also what government says they are permitted to do. So it's a combination of factors then, isn't it? I mean, you, you need to have the teachers to, to be able to, to take on the students. You need to have the space, the infrastructure, so that teachers have the classrooms and, and you need somewhere to put these students. So it's it comes on both sides, right? I mean, there's there's no easy fix here. Yeah, I just wanted to point out one more thing, and that is that um, the teachers say that it, it isn't just the sheer number of kids who are in classes. That, um, you know, if you look 15 years ago, we didn't have the level of integration of children who have high needs as we have now. So for number one, we didn't have nearly as many English language learners who were in the cities in particular. And now, like, for example, I think 23% of Edmonton public students are classified as English language learners, like nearly a quarter, one in four kids, basically, doesn't necessarily speak English fluently. So you've got that to contend with, and then you've got kids with, you know, growing numbers of diagnosed behavioral problems, and kids who have mild to, you know, severe disabilities that may be um, included in a, a, quote, typical classroom setting for some or all of the day. And so you hear from teachers that that, that plus the sheer size and the space constraints is a lot to manage. It's very stressful for them. Now, and the other thing, too, I want to ask you about, because even though we have we have targets, I mean, you know, I mean, if mm. the government's going to set targets, then they should stick to their own targets. But do we have a consensus on what's an ideal class size? <laughs> Again, it depends who you <laughs> ask. I mean, I think a lot of people will, in Alberta at least, will point back to this commission, because they did spend about 15 months studying all of the research at the time, talking to people all across the province and teachers and parents and families um, and that, so th- that was sort of the best they could come up with at that time. There hasn't actually been a lot of new comprehensive research about class size since the late 80s, early 90s. And I, I think it's just, it's hard and expensive to do. Um, and that's part, of, that's part of why there maybe isn't good research. Um, I think what, the, what one thing that most people can agree on, and not everybody agrees that class size is the most important factor affecting kids' education. Most people say it's one factor, but... How important? I don't know. Um, one thing most people can agree on is that the, the class size effect is the largest in the earliest years, which is why Alberta's class size initiative money is targeted, is supposed to be targeted to K to three classrooms um, for hiring more teachers to split those classes. Um, and that one of the major um, pieces of research that backs that up is called the Tennessee Star Study, which was this enormous research project in the state of Tennessee where they, back in the late 80s, where they spent four years assigning all these kids in participating schools to purposefully small or medium-sized classes and found that some of the follow-up studies from the kids who were in the small classes, and we're talking 13 to 17 kids in the classes, um, like the effects of the attention that they received at that early age, even though they were in regular classes but from grade four and onward, lasted into adulthood. We're talking about higher graduation rates, um, less likely to drop out of school, less less, uh, times that they would have had to repeat a grade. So I think that's some pretty interesting evidence. Yes, indeed. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, people can read more uh, on all of this, uh, edmontonjournal.com, much more at the website. Uh, Janet, thanks so much for joining us here today. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. We've got more coming up tomorrow and Wednesday as well. So and We'll watch for that as well. Check Janet, thanks again. Take care. Thanks. Janet French uh, reported with the Edmonton Journal, edmontonjournal.com. I believe the Calgary Herald's picked up on this as well because it obviously has provincial ramifications. As she points out in her piece, Alberta's uh, former Auditor General, Marwan Sahar, wrote in a February 2018 report, the province has no plan to achieve class size targets, doesn't know, or rather doesn't track how school boards spend these class size initiative funds, and hasn't analyzed why K-3 to class sizes never hit the provincial target. So, yeah, I mean, some obvious questions for how the government's responding to this, but there's a lot of challenges involved still. And the question is, when you get back to what is an ideal class size, you're going to get different answers, and you've got a lot of vested interests. Governments holding the uh, purse strings are going to look at it one way. Teachers' unions are going to look at it another way. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.